Hey, what's up guys, Travis here. And if you've been following me or my story for any length of time, you know that I started a company called Guestio about a year and a half ago now. And one of the things that we are doing this year in 2022 is we're building a concierge program called the Fast Pass that allows you to get booked on top quality shows and platforms for the purpose of spreading awareness for your brand, grabbing attention, uh, growing your credibility, your authority, et cetera, et cetera. And so if you are listening to this right now and you are a seven figure plus entrepreneur and you have a budget to bring in traffic, attention, credibility, authority to your brand, then this might be a really great program for you. Just head over to travischapel.com slash 10K. Why 10K? Because we guarantee in this program that you're going to be able to speak in front of 10,000 people within 90 days. Okay, 10,000 people within 90 days. Imagine getting on a stage in front of 10,000 people to share your message, your story. That's exactly what we are doing inside of this program through virtual stages like podcasts or virtual events or YouTube channels or blogs. You name it, we are working with it, and we are trying to get you booked on those platforms. So travischapel.com slash 10x. There's a quick application there, and then right at the end of that application, it'll prompt you to set up a phone call where you'll jump on a call with me, and we'll talk through whether or not you're a great fit for this program. Please act fast on this. Do not wait because we are only taking on one or two clients a week due to uh, constraints with our team and the limited supply of high quality shows and platforms that are out there in the market. So if that's you and you're really wanting to explode your brand in 2022, head over to travischapel.com slash 10K, fill out the application, schedule a quick phone call, and you and I will chat really soon about whether or not this would be a great fit for you. Thanks, guys. Talk to you soon. Michael Hellickson with Club Wealth Coaching and Consulting. And let me tell you, if you want to level up your relationships, you should be listening to the Build Your Network podcast with my good friend, Travis Chappell. If you're tired of the old way of networking, the business cards, the awkward conversations, and the aggressive pitches, but you know how crucial your network is to your success in life, then you're in the right place. Welcome to Build Your Network, the only top-rated show committed to helping you master content networking, foster real relationships, increase your authority, and build the network of your dreams. Listen in on conversations with world-class entrepreneurs, authors, thought leaders, and more as we deconstruct their best strategies for your success. So get ready to burn your business cards, ditch the name tag, and discover the new way to network with your host, Travis Chappell. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Build Your Network. Today, I have the pleasure of sitting down with Michael Hellickson. Michael spent two decades as an active real estate agent and team leader, listing and selling over 100 homes per month. Michael and his team were literally number one nationwide out of over a million real estate agents and teams considered by most to be the number one short sale expert in the world. During his career, Michael has spoken to thousands of agents and organizations nationwide and has also been featured on several national television and radio programs, including Glenn Beck, CNBC, The Dave Ramsey Show, and the Fox Business Network, among many other local and regional programs. Guys, it's going to, be, going to be such a fun conversation that I have with Michael. Can't wait to jump into it. But first, really quickly, if you're a podcaster, if you are 
somebody likes to be a guest on podcasts, then head over to guestio.com. It's a software that my team and I put up recently to help connect podcasters to amazing guests for their show. You build, start with a totally free account, go browse through our marketplace of shows and guests and connect with some other awesome people today. Oh, that's over at guestio.com. Michael, what's up? Thanks so much for taking the time to join me on the show today. Well, I'm honored to be on, Travis. It sounds like uh, you've got some big guests on your show. I, I'm like, I'm stoked that I get to be on here. It's, I feel like the the low man on the totem pole compared to some of these guys, but uh, Not, at all, man, man. Not at all. It's my pleasure to have you on. And uh, I, every single person I bring on, man, it's just like, I find myself amazed that they're even taking the time. So I really appreciate you, you taking the time to jump on the show uh, today. And I want to jump right in, build a little bit of context here for those listening. And let's take it back, like way back here. Okay. And talking let's say 11, 12 year old, Michael Hellickson, give it, get, tell us, tell us the story, set the scene, what was happening in your life at that time? You know, what did your parents do? Where'd you grow up? Stuff like that. Holy cow. 11, 12 year old, Michael Hellickson. That was that, that, that there's nothing good happened back then. That was just me getting in all kinds of trouble. So, uh, I, you know, I think like with most entrepreneurs, uh, I would guess that are watching your show. I, uh, am one of those guys that has a bit of ADD. And, uh, you know, so by 11, 12 years old, I was, uh, I was running businesses, had uh, a bunch of the neighborhood kids working for me, doing things for everything from mowing lawns to collecting newspapers and aluminum cans for recycling and all kinds of great stuff. I was doing everything I could to make money. In fact, I think that was the year I think would that would that have put me in about fifth grade because in fifth grade was the year that I almost got kicked out of school for running a lottery in school. That was interesting. Uh, yeah, didn't know that you actual lottery, like you were taking people's money and then basically saying like, somebody's going to win part of this pot and I'm going to take the rest of it basically. Literally like I'll I'll tell you what I did. So I kid you not, man. So we had this contest, we had these little cap items, you know, these little fake money that, that the teacher gave out. He was trying to get us all to run businesses and sell stuff to each other to see, you know, who could collect the most money. And uh, so I'm like, well, you know, the lottery, that seems to do pretty well. So, so I created all these little scratch off tickets. I I made these little tickets up and I'd put like, you know, a free stuffed animal or a free pencil or, you know, whatever. I have all this stuff and some of them would be sorry, you lose or whatever. And I would mark over them with like gold or silver crayon. So they'd have to take a penny and scratch the crayon off to see if they want and I sold these things. Dude, I, can't, I took, by the time this thing was over, I had everybody's money, everybody. And the teacher was pissed. I mean, they literally, they got the principal involved, the superintendent. They're like, dude, we got to find out if we got to get the authorities involved. You might be going to jail. I'm like, whoa, whoa, hold on. I'm having a Ponzi scheme in our elementary school. Please don't do that. It was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> it was terrible. So needless to say, my parents, when they got called in, their, their response was a little different than the teachers. Their response was, well, good for him. Maybe we'll Not be right. living off him someday. Isn't that the idea of the project is to end up with the most money? Yeah, you didn't give us any that's rules right. for this. Well, that's, they never said in the rules that I couldn't run a lottery. I, I don't understand. Yeah, that's on them, man. That's on them. That's what I thought. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah. So, anyway, uh, so from there, you know, just kind of uh, – normal kid stuff, right? Uh, by the time I was uh, old enough to drive, the, my, my, my landscaping company had grown. I had 20 of the neighborhood kids working for me by that point. And we were, we were doing about $300 a day in profit. And uh, dude, let me tell you, at, at 15 years, or excuse me, 16 years old, that's a lot of money, you're man. That's- you're rolling. Yeah. I, I, had my, I had a landscaping business when I was 16 years old and I was the only kid in my class. And we would employ like the college students in our area to come work on jobs with us and stuff. And I remember thinking, you know, looking at my bank account, saying like three grand and being like, I am a baller. <laughs> you know, like I will never run out of money. 
Um, <laughs> so I'm, I'm curious though, Michael, did your parents encourage any of this? Did they, did they, yeah. um, did this kind of start with them or were you just always wired that way and they just were kind of doing their best to help continue to shape and, and mold you? I was always greedy for money when it came to that at that age. Right. And, and say greedy for money. It wasn't that it's just, I wanted stuff that my parents couldn't afford. Right. Mm. So when I was, when I was 12, I was playing soccer yeah, and I was, I was a pretty good soccer player back then. I played, I, I actually got an invite to play on this team that traveled all over the world and they were, the team was actually two years older than me, but they wanted me to start at center forward. And, and I mean, this is a pretty big deal, right? Like this could have led to something like college or who knows what, but my parents couldn't afford the cleats, let alone the travel. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you know, this is, this is dumb. Like, you know, they can't afford this. And so now I have to make a choice in my life to, you know, I'm, I'm either going to eventually be in the same position with my kids or I've got to learn to, to earn enough money so that my kids don't have to have money be the thing that keeps them from doing what they want to do in life. And so, yeah, I was, I, I mean, I, I started washing cars and babysitting dogs, you know, as, as young as I, I could, you know, I mean, I think I, I started doing that kind of stuff around seven or eight and, uh, and I've just always been wired with an entrepreneurial mindset for, you know, what, what can I do? And I say, and I say greedy, I don't feel like I was greedy. I mean, I, I paid people well and I was, I was good to the people that work with me and still am, but Uh, but definitely, definitely always thinking about what is the best way to move my career forward. Yeah. Like how do I make another buck somehow, somewhere? How can I pull a little bit more money out of this? Yeah. I think the thing that changed for me though, I mean, and that started off, it started off that way, started off feeling like, you know, how do I make a buck? How do I make a buck? And eventually how do I make a buck transition to how do I deliver enough value to enough people that I won't need to worry about making a buck? It'll just happen, but yeah. I get to focus on delivering value. And that was when I really started making money. When, when I started, when I stopped worrying about how do I make a buck and I started worrying about how do I bring more value, the money just flowed in. And it was just like this great side effect of, of really, it's, it's like today, you know, we do so much for our clients for free today, the stuff that we don't get paid for, but we have a waiting list for clients now. I, I mean, there's, and, and our clients are, they spend a lot of money with us, right? They spend anywhere from, you know, $97 a month to $4,000 a month with us. And, and there's a waiting list. Well, that happened because of the mind in, in part in, without the mind shift shift, that would not have been possible, I guess is what I'm saying. So. Yeah. Right. And, and so I'm curious to hear when that happened or why that happened, I guess, more specifically, was there, was there a realization that you had, or was that just kind of the next step in the process when you maybe were hitting a ceiling that you didn't understand why you were hitting? What, like what, where did that realization come from? I think it started with my mission. So I served a mission for the church for two years in Germany. And uh, I tell you what, you want to, you want to learn humility. You want to learn how to sell, go serve a mission for, for, you know, try and sell Christianity to people in Europe for two years, right? Good luck. Uh, a lot of work, right? A lot of rejection, a lot of, a lot of learning lessons. That being said, during that period of time, I learned to serve people and I learned to put serving people ahead of serving my own needs. So that was definitely the turning point from a mindset standpoint of it all being about me to it's okay to be profitable. It's okay to take care of yourself, but you've got to take care of other people in the process. You've got to put their needs. And and I won't say ahead of your own. I mean, you know, it's kind of like when you're in an airplane, right? You got to put your oxygen mask on before you can put your kid's oxygen mask on or you both die. But you do have to recognize the value of others and the importance of bringing value with every interaction with someone else. Always brings me back to the Zig Ziglar quote that you can have everything in life that you want if you help enough people get what they want. And 
that was that was really a big realization for me too coming into coming into this new space of the online world was really shifting the focus because so, I come from a background of door to door sales and I did that for you know six seven years and then um, and then growing up we did what was called soul winning on the weekends which was knocking doors in the community and and I, it wasn't in a different country where I had to learn the language and adapt to a different culture at the same time but but I completely understand what it's like to knock on someone's door and try to sell you know, the gospel to them, um, essentially. And then that translated in door-to-door sales for me. And a lot of that is is really focused in, this isn't the in- entire industry, but a lot of it is focused on, you know, it's a numbers game. So talk to more people, talk to more people, talk to more people. What I started realizing was that if I was just got better at talking to people, I didn't have to talk to as many people to do as many deals as the other person who was just burning and turning through relationships. And so that's what it kind of led to that big realization for me. So now kind of getting back a little bit into your story here. So you serve a mission what was the plan after that before you left? So before you left the mission, what was the plan for you when you got back? Well, I started selling real estate the year before I left. So I was 18, I was 1991. So it was about 30 years ago. And uh, in fact, I'm just getting ready to hit my 30th anniversary. And um, I was working 100 hour weeks. I'm not even joking. I was literally working 100 hours a week, sleeping under the desk in my office. And this is before I worked from home. You know, sleeping under the desk in my office three nights a week and just burning it at both ends. And my parents were constantly telling me, why don't you get a job at McDonald's? You'd make more money. And the scary part was they were right, right? But literally every interaction I had with my parents was about, why don't you go get a job at McDonald's? And it was just crushing me. And I literally, and, and this is just before the mission, I literally got to a point where I told my parents, I said, look, and I know they meant well, and I, and I want the people watching this, I want you guys to understand there comes a point in every entrepreneur's life where you're going to have to shut some people down in your life. You're going to have to make a decision that you don't get to let those people have an influence on what goes on up in here. And for me at this point, even though they loved me and even though that they meant well and they thought they were doing what was best for me, I had to take a break from my parents. And I literally told my parents, I said, listen, I'm going to take a break. I, I need to focus and be positive. And I can't, I can't have you sidetracking me and trying to, you know, give, give me what feels to me to be negative, even though you mean positive. So don't call me, I'll call you. (laughs) And I went 10 months without speaking to my parents, which was weird for me. It was, it was difficult, but I got my crap together in that 10 months. I got my head straight and I got my mindset straight. And that, that took me, and that's, that was a turning point in me choosing to go on a mission. So now I got to the mental, mental state where I could actually serve a mission Gotcha. So I was able to take a step back from what I wanted and put somebody else's needs ahead of my own for the first time in my life, went and served the mission. And I came back and I knew when I came back that I couldn't do it the way I did it before. If I, if I And I, I knew I didn't want my parents to be right. I didn't want to have to go to work for McDonald's. I wanted to be, you know, I wanted to be my own boss, wanted to, you know, run my own company. And yet I knew that I couldn't do it the way I was doing it before. So I had to find somebody that knew better and I, and I found a coach. So I hired my first coach. And I've had lots of coaches over the years and I've learned something from all of them. I've, I've, I've learned valuable things from each one of them. This particular coach taught me how to make phone calls, taught me a lot about in neuro-linguistic programming te- or NLP techniques, taught me not to be afraid to pick up the phone, taught me how to hire an assistant and kind of got me to that next level. Then I capped out with him. And I found out that based on his system, there was really only so far I could go. It was way better than the way I was doing it before, but there was still a ceiling on what I could do because I could only make so many calls in a day. And to your point, you know, I mean, I can get great at conversion and I did, you know, there's lead generation, lead follow-up and lead conversion. I don't care what business you're in. You got to master those three things, right? Again, it's lead follow-up or lead generation, lead follow-up and lead conversion. 
But no matter how good I got at those three things, I only have so many hours in a day. So I had to learn to leverage my time, my resources with other people's time and other people. So I got another coach, learned some new systems. And, and every time I learned, got a new coach, I would, I would break through that ceiling and get to the next level. So I want to pause here for a second and just first off, acknowledge you because that story that you just told is basically the entire reason that this podcast exists. Oh, really? to, uh, it's to open people up to the possibility that if you haven't reached the goals that you've set for yourself, there might just be a person that can help you get there. And uh, regardless of its of if it's a formal paid coaching relationship or an informal mentor that's been there, done that, walked the road before you can kind of help you avoid some pitfalls, wh- whatever context it might be in, this is the reason that this show exists. And I, I love that I love that when you came back, you decided that this was going to be the goal, but you had enough self awareness to understand that you didn't know how to get to that goal but you still knew that you wanted to get there. So like you got a goal, you don't know how to get to the goal. So instead of just going and working at McDonald's or trying to make it happen on your own, you decide to reach out to somebody who's already reached the goal that you're trying to achieve and ask them how to do it and how to help you get to that point. And then when you bumped up against a ceiling with that person, then you go to another person who's at the place that you wanna be next. And you ask that person, how'd you get there from where I am now? And it's, it, it's silly because it makes it seem like it's so easy and really, it is. It is really easy. Or excuse me, it's it's really simple. It's really simple, but it's not super easy because the the part that we kind of skipped in there is that you still had to do the work, right? Sure. It wasn't enough to it wasn't enough to just get the advice from the guy. You still had to pick up the phone and do cold calls all day long to generate leads. Like you still had to go on all the listing appointments. You still had to master your listing presentation. Like you still had to be the person to do all of the work after you got the advice from the right person. And a lot of times I think people get stuck in this, um, this hamster wheel of just getting another piece of advice from another person and then never, ever taking action. What are some ways that you think maybe helped you be sure to actually implement the things that you were learning from the people that you were learning from? Fear. <laughs> so, I mean, let's call it what it is. People are motivated by one of two things, hope for gain or fear of loss. Mm-hmm. And most of us are more motivated by fear of loss than we are by hope for gain. And for me, it was fear of failure. I, I didn't want my parents to be right. I, you know, I didn't want to lose to my parents, if you would. Oh, uh, oh yeah. I mean, I, I wasn't going to accept defeat or admit failure. Then another piece of fear, the other, another big motivator for me was I'm paying for this coach that I can't afford. I'm using my credit card to do it. And I either follow their advice and do what they say I got to do and I succeed or I don't and I fail and I got to and I got to go work for McDonald's or do something else. That was not an option for me. And so I guess I better implement. And so I started to implement and and, and I still it wasn't that I, I wasn't working 100 hours a week anymore, but I was still working 70, sometimes even 80. And then over the years that, you know, went from 70 or 80 down to 60 to 70, then it was 50 to 60 and then. By the time I started making, you know, by the time I was netting a solid seven-figure income, at that point, I was only working about three weeks a month. I was actually working 12 days a month at that point. But it took a while to get there because I didn't know the roadmap. I had to, I had to learn pieces of the roadmap from all these different people, put them together into my roadmap. And once I got that figured out, it was very easy to scale from there. Yeah. So what was that timeline from the time you get back from your mission, you decide that you're going to move forward with this thing until you're netting seven figures and able to actually take time to enjoy life? Well, I hate, okay. So I'll, I'll tell you this. I, 
I don't want to scare anybody off, but for me, it took about a decade before I was netting seven figures. Hmm. Now, granted, that was a while ago when seven figures was more than it is today. <laughs> so, you know, I will say this, we've had clients that we've taken, I, I'll give you an example. I've got a client in, uh, in Washington state that when they came on, they, they, they found us when they were six months in the industry. And so they were, they were struggling like most people do in their first six months. And they, in their first year with us, so from month six to month 18 in their, in the business, we had, they net, they netted seven figures. They netted over a million dollars. So you can do it a lot faster than I can. The kid, the tier is knowing the roadmap, right? So first you got to know the roadmap. So you got to get the person that knows the roadmap. They got to share the roadmap with you in its entirety without holding anything back, uh, which is why I like formal coaching more than just mentorship because mentorship, that's not they don't have a fiduciary responsibility to you to make sure you're successful. That's part of it. But then the other piece is to your point, you've got to execute because knowledge without implementation is like rowing with one oar in the water, right? You just go around in circles. And so when you have both, when you have someone who's both capable of executing at a high level and will follow the roadmap, and then there's kind of a third component that's beyond our control. You have to have a certain amount of talent. I mean, Jim Rohn, you probably know Jim Rohn. This episode of the show is brought to you by Indeed. We are driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate is not to search at all. It's to match and match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need this platform, guys. I'm telling you, Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work and use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging candidates so you can connect with those people even faster. And it doesn't just help you hire faster. In fact, 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And look, guys, one of the things that I wish I would have used Indeed for is this matching service. You can search and search and search and search and search all day long, but to actually be presented with quality candidates, like 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 hiring a a recruiter for you that's presenting people that has actually done the work to vet them and uh, bring quality people in front of you, that work by itself is the fact that it's done by a software instead of like a team of high quality recruiters is is pretty insane. So they leverage over 140 million qualifications and preferences every single day, which is why Indeed's matching engine is the best one that you can use. It's constantly learning from your own preferences. So the more you use it, the better it gets at doing the job for you. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility over at indeed.com slash Travis. Just go to indeed.com slash Travis right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed here on the podcast. Indeed.com slash Travis. Terms and conditions apply. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. One of my favorites, Jim Rohn has a quote and he says, you know, if you have an idiot and you motivate him, now all you've got is a motivated idiot, <laughs> right? So it's not enough to teach somebody the things and have them be willing to do them there's got to be a certain amount of talent involved to really achieve at a very high level. I mean, like, like Michael Jordan, if he was, you know, five foot nothing and built like me, probably doesn't become the greatest NBA player of all time, right? But likewise, 
Michael Jordan, if he's not as committed as he is, or maybe even a better example is Kobe Bryant, if he's not as committed as he is, if he doesn't have that mamba mentality to start with, or if he doesn't develop that mamba mentality, then guess what? He's also not going to be the greatest in the game. Right, right. Yeah, so you you got to have a, a little bit of talent and then a lot of work, right? That's correct. And I, I asked the timeline question because I love the answer. Because most people, I forget whose quote this is, but most people underestimate what they can or overestimate what they can do in a year and underestimate what they can do in 10 years. That's right. so your answer feeds perfectly into that quote because uh, that to me is the name of the game, man, is, is, that, is that too often I think people give up before they reap the benefits of their hard work because they haven't put in enough reps. They haven't seen enough data to give them the right to give up and call it quits. But most people don't stick in it for that long. Why, why do you think that is? Because they're instant, we've raised a gen, gen, multiple generations now of instant gratification. Mm. And here, here's the reality. Success isn't sexy. Success is boring. Yeah. And if you guys have a pen, you should write that down. Success is boring, right? It looks sexy when you get there because, you know, and by the way, most of the people, I would challenge you this, most of the people that you see with pictures of, of Lamborghinis and other fancy cars and jets and helicopters in the background, I got news for you. Most of those people don't own those things. In fact, they don't even lease those things. They're not theirs. They just saw there's a jet on the tarmac. I'm going to go take a picture with that jet to make everybody think that at 20 years old, I own it so that they'll spend money with me to learn what I learned did to get to buying that jet. It's all big hat, no cattle. The, and the people that really own jets, they don't care if you see it or not. They're not interested in your opinion of them. I, just think about that for a second. Yeah. Do you think that Warren Buffett gives a rip if you ever see him in a private jet? No, he doesn't. What he cares about is, did I get my investors the returns that I need to get them today? That's what he cares about. He doesn't even care about, you know, he still lives in the house that he grew up in. Yeah, yeah. Think about that. Guy still, this is the, one of the richest men on the planet can buy whatever he wants, still lives in the house he grew up in. Come on. Humility is one of the keys to great success, to great lasting success. Humility is necessary. Mm. I, I, it's, you look at a guy, look at Elon Musk. Here's a great example. This is a man. Now, granted, I would not want to follow his lead on how, you know, how he's handled his personal life, right? This is a man who is completely one-dimensional in terms of how he lives his life. But this man sleeps in his factory. He's like, I'm selling all my personal stuff. I'm going to sell my house. I'm going to sell my cars. I'm going to take all my money and invest it here because I'm going to colonize Mars. Okay. If you want to colonize Mars, you have to be that committed. And it doesn't happen in a year. Elon Musk, how many times has he been on the verge of bankruptcy? All these guys, all, all the greats, how many times have they either gone bankrupt or been on the verge of bankruptcy and had to roll the dice with everything they had to take their business where they had to get it? And here's another one. I, I, I learned this decades ago before I was married. Obviously, I, was, I, I, I had a girlfriend whose father owned a steel mill. And I asked this guy, I said, so what, let me ask you this. Do you invest in the stock market? What do you think he told me? I'm assuming no. The answer was no. He says, Michael, why would I want to invest in somebody else's business when I can invest in my own? That hit me like a ton of bricks. And I'm there. Like I invest my money in my business that I have control over that I alone get to decide whether or not it's going to be successful. I'm not going to invest in somebody else's business. Why would I? I don't have control over their business. And if I believe more in their business than I believe my own, I get to decide better change what I'm doing. Yeah, I love that. Thank you so much for, for bringing that insight to the table. 
This episode of the Build Your Network podcast will be back in just a moment, but first, I want to tell you about our sponsor, Indeed. If you're hiring, you need Indeed, because Indeed is the hiring partner where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. Indeed is the only job site where you're guaranteed to find quality applications that meet your must-have requirements or else you don't pay. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites hoping to find candidates with the right skills, you need one powerful hiring partner that can help you do it all. Indeed partners with you on every step of the hiring process. Find great talent through time-saving tools like Indeed Instant Match, assessments, and virtual interviews. With Instant Match, as soon as you sponsor a post, you get a short list of quality candidates with resumes on Indeed that match your job descriptions, and you can invite them to apply right away. Plus, you only pay for quality applications that meet your must-have requirements. I personally love Indeed. It makes it easy to hire great talent, and according to Comscore, Indeed is the number one job site worldwide. That's right, worldwide. So start hiring right now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash network. The offer is valid through March 31st. So what are you waiting for? Go to Indeed.com slash network and claim $75 in free credit before March 31st. That's Indeed.com slash network. Terms and conditions apply. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. This episode of the Build Your Network podcast is brought to you by Gusto, the all-in-one HR for growing businesses. You can get everything you need to hire, pay, manage, and support your hardworking team in one intuitive platform. You can automatically file and pay all state, local, and federal payroll taxes, do simple time tracking, time off requests, and more, and have access to a wide range of health and financial benefits and direct access to certified HR experts. That's just a few of the amazing tools that you get with Gusto. And right now, you can get three months free when you run your first payroll. All you have to do is use the URL gusto.com slash Travis. That's G-U-S-T-O dot com slash Travis. All right, let's get back to the show. So let's go back, finish up the story here, and then I got a couple questions for you around around building relationships and, and networking and stuff, which is the topic of the show. So Travis, what happens when you have a guy with ADD on your show? <laughs> so every guest I've ever brought on is that, that that's the right? whole, <laughs> shiny objects. <laughs> <is real>. so, <laughs> so back into the story here, you, you go uh, 10 years, takes you to net your first seven figures timeline now on when you get to that number one spot, when you are literally the number one agent slash team in the entire country, not even just in your brokerage, but across all brokerages, how how long did it take to get there? And was that a goal or did that just kind of happen because of the work that you were putting in? Really interesting you say that. And I'd be interested to hear what the insights is. I have a feeling you asked that question of all of your guests and I'll tell you, no, it was not my goal. It was never my goal to be the number one in the country. And I didn't even realize it happened until long after I was. <laughs> so really? long after, yeah, didn't it, did, I mean it was it was probably six to twelve months after we were number one before I even realized it. Um, I was just caught up in doing business, and it took me about from from the seven figure mark. It took me about another five years. Yeah, it was about five years uh, before we were now number one in the country. And it was by a wide margin. I mean, what happened is it, our our curve looked like a lot of work for you know a decade to get to where we were solid and then all of a sudden when we got solid now we went from growth to scale 
And it just, it took off like a rocket ship at that point. And we were literally, you know, we went from, well, I'll give you an example. We went from doing 400 transactions a year, which is a lot, right? That's even back then. And well, back then it was more than it is today, but we went from doing 400 transactions a year to doing, you know, 120 to 180 transactions a month in like six months. Wow. And so we we couldn't hire staff fast enough. I mean, we, we had customer service issues because we weren't able to staff up to handle the demand. We, I mean, there was just, we made all kinds of mistakes, but we, we it took us about a year to solve all that. And when we solved all that, now we were at, we were scaling and we had that stuff dialed in. And so it just, from there, we were unstoppable. There was very little that could stop us at that point. From a scaling perspective, put these in order of importance, okay? Ah. Sales, marketing, or systems order order of importance. Yes. From that, <laughs> yeah, I guess that I guess that is the answer, right? Yeah. Well, but here's the thing: all of those things are necessary for growth. None of those things accomplish scaling. So, here's the problem with scaling. The, the problem with scaling is you. You are the issue of scaling. All you already have to have your systems, your marketing, and your sales teams all have to be dialed in before you can even approach scale. Once you have those things dialed in and you have them automated, you have, you know, a number of like for in the real estate business, you know, I want to see 25 to 35 different lead sources that are, that are automated and are consistently bringing in business. I want to see a robust sales force. You know, I want to see, you know, 25 people on my team. I want to see, you know, a, a robust administrative team, but that doesn't lead to scale. The only way you can scale is to get yourself out of the way. Until you are no longer required for the recruiting, hiring, training, onboarding, and success process, you can't scale. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, definitely. No, I appreciate the insight there. That's if you're uh, working in your business at all, you can't scale. You have to be completely working on the business and no longer working in it to scale. So, how long after that before you started getting into what you're doing today? And can you tell us a little bit about Club Wealth and what your guys's mission is? So. I guess, let me share this with you. The first, let me share the mistake that got me where I am today. And, and where I am today is a great place, but I, but I would still be selling real estate today if I hadn't made them some mistake. And, and I would encourage the people watching this to, to write this down. You can be right or you can be rich. Pick one. And here's what this means. You got to get your ego out of the equation. So in, in uh, 2007, I caught the Washington State Department of Real Estate Licensing breaking the law. And I made a bad decision. The decision was the right thing to do, but it was the wrong thing for my business. And the decision I made was, I'm going to sue the state. I'm going to make them stop breaking the law. Well, what's interesting is I sued them and I won, which was the worst thing that could have happened to me. We got a court order saying that they had to stop breaking the law. And now I was on their radar. And now they were going to make an example of me. And it didn't matter what it cost them. And they have unlimited resources. I don't. And as a result, uh, they, they tried coming after me in the beginning and, it, and they failed. They, they went on this huge, it was, they literally contacted thousands of people that had done business with us trying to find dirt on us and they couldn't. And so they came back and they said, yeah, looks like you're doing everything you're supposed to be doing. We're dropping it. And uh, they moved on. Well, in 2010, I caught them breaking that same law again in the same way. And I had to take them back to court to enforce the court order now. I didn't have to, but I chose, my attorney suggested I should and that it was the right thing to do, Michael. And so I did. And this time, instead of fighting us in court where they knew they were going to lose, they just decided, hey, why don't we just re revoke this guy's real estate license and see if he goes away? 
So at five o'clock on the Friday before Labor Day weekend, they hit send on an email suspending my real estate license. No warning, no hearings, no, hey, we think you're doing anything wrong. None of that. Just literally suspended my real estate license. Well, the day they did that, I had 750 listings in active and pending status, which is a lot. That's more than multiple brokerages combined. I mean, it was that's a ton, especially with only 16 agents. Had four and a half million dollars in pending commissions that day and the opportunity for hundreds of millions more over the next couple of years. All of it gone at the click of a button. And I then spent, you know, it took me 30 days to get him back into court, which when we did, the judge threw the book at him. Got, the judge was yelling at them in open court saying, you guys destroyed this guy's career, blah, 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 blah. You know, ruled, ruled that they were grossly negligent in doing so. So literally we proved gross negligence. Guess how much we got in damages? Um, zero. Zero because it's the state. Yeah. If it was an individual, if this would have been a company that we, that uh, we'd, we would have gotten a hundred percent in damages. I mean, plus, you know, repercussions, that's the worst. There's zero accountability. Right. And so long story short, we spent another $356,000 fighting in court over different stuff over there. Cause they tried to, they tried to come after us and they just, it never worked. But the point is they wore us down and so one of the mistakes, and I think you guys can learn as, as much from mistakes, and, and I've always been able to learn more from mistakes others have made than I have from their successes oftentimes. So I hope you guys learn this as well. One of the mistakes I made is, first of all, I picked the wrong fight. Second of all, even though I won it, in the end, I finally gave up and I shouldn't have given up. I should have stayed the course. I should have just kept, you know, once you, once you get into that fight, you got to stay in the fight to the bitter end. You just got to, you just got to make it happen. I didn't do that. I, I, at one point, I finally just decided, you know what, I'm going to tap out. I just, I can't, I can't keep fighting this battle for the rest of my life. And uh, it was just draining me emotionally and mentally. And uh, so anyway, long story short, that's what, so I, I sold the company at that point and it was fine. You know, we did well on it, but not nearly as well as we should have done um, because, you know, we had to start over and, and we grew very quickly from, you know, when we got went you know, that after that judge forced them to give us our licenses back, you know, in 90 days, we were number one in the country again. So that was great. But it still, it still didn't feel good. Right. So long story short, uh, I decided I was going to retire from real estate. And I spent three and a half years just traveling the country and, the, and actually the globe with my family. And it was great. You know, I thought, you know, well, Tim Ferriss, had, you know, around that time, Tim Ferriss had written this really cool book, you know, the four hour work week. And everybody's thinking, well, gosh, I could just do that. I'm just going to, I'm just going to travel the world and work off my laptop. And that was just not very fulfilling for me. I just, that wasn't, that, that lifestyle didn't do it for me. I'm not a golfer, for example. Like I, I can't, I don't understand people that can golf a lot. Like it's really like there's stuff to get done. So long story short, uh, about 2014, I started getting clients calling me up saying, you know, people that I used to coach before saying, Hey, you need to come back and get into coaching. We want you to teach our teams. We want you to help us. And, and I didn't want to do it. But I thought about it a lot, with, talked about it a lot with my wife, prayed about it a lot, and decided, you know, what I really love doing, I didn't love retirement, and, but what I really love doing is I love helping other people grow. And I feel like I was, that was what I was put here to do, right? If there, and and it didn't, the money didn't matter. There's not, you don't make as much as money as a coach as you do selling real estate. I mean, there's, it's not even remotely close, right? And so, but that's what I want to do. That's, that's where my heart was at. And so we, we said, okay, well, if we're going to build a coaching company, how do we do it? How do we, how do we build a company that brings more value to the user? So to the coaching client than any other company. So how can we make it the perfect experience for that consumer? And 
we built it with, on that basis. And so this first piece of that process was every single coach has to run a bigger business than the people they coach. So we coach people in real estate and mortgage, and we're, we're actually starting to coach people in some other industries now too, because the mechanisms, the, the framework is the same. The widget doesn't matter. It, you know, I don't care if you're selling houses or you're selling a product or you're selling a service. The widget's not what's important. It's in, in terms of growth and scale and all that. It's the systems and the processes and all that. And um, so anyway, so we decided that every single coach had to, had to have a bigger business than the people they coach by a wide margin. Um, else, why would you want their opinion? Exactly. In, in a world that is not lacking in coaches, it is lacking in good coaches who actually deserve to be coaching. So that's one thing I very much appreciate about what you guys do over at Club Well. You just nailed it. I mean, there's there. it seems like, you know, on every street corner, there's 10 coaches, right? There's more coaches out there than crack dealers, which is saying something. Apparently, there's a lot of those out there. So I'm just kidding. It's a terrible analogy. But you get the point. The yeah. point is the qualified coaches, and for me, qualified is if you aren't where I want to be, I don't want you as my coach. This isn't basketball, all right? So we're not talking about uh, about athletics. This is business. It's very different. It's not the same thing as coaching athletics. It's so funny that you say that because I get that all the time from from people who don't deserve to be coaching that are like, yeah, but look at the best basketball coaches. And my thought is exactly the same. First of all, it's uh, completely different to compare the two. But also, like if you take the best basketball players in the world, they're retired when they leave. They don't have to come back and coach to make money. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's they don't why, want to. Right. That, that's why there's no like, like good superstar former players that are coaches, not because they can't coach. It's just because they're already retired off of the millions and millions of dollars that they made being a superstar for decades. You know what I mean? But anyway, anyway that's right. unless you're Terry Bradshaw, then you can't even afford a pair of pants, but that's a whole nother thing. So <laughs> I'm just teasing. I, I like to tease Terry. Cause it's like, dude, seriously, no more commercials without pants. Seriously. <laughs> so anyway, that being said, you're to your point, when it comes to who you take advice from, it's not just about where they are in their business. You need to ask yourself, where is this person in their life? Because you're going to become this, and, and, and I can't remember who first said this, but you're going to become the socioeconomic average of the five people you hang out with the most, right? So think about who am I hanging out with? Who am I spending time with? Who am I coaching with? And not only what does their business look like, but what does their personal look like, life look like? There's five key areas in your life that you really have to have in balance. There's your, your family, business, financial, your health, both physical and mental, and then your spiritual life. If any one of those five areas in your life is off balance, guess what? It affects all the other ones. So if you're coaching with somebody who made a lot of money, I'll, I'll use perfect example, Tony Robbins. I would not coach with Tony Robbins. Why would I not coach with Tony Robbins? Because his approach to family is the, uh, the polar opposite of mine, right? And, and it's just the what he, if you look at the catastrophe that his personal life has been, it is not in harmony with where his business life has been. He's a phenomenal business coach. There's no question, but I don't want my life to look like his. I don't want my family to get worn out in the process of me making millions. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, hundred percent. So, so at club wealth, your guys's goal was deliver value to the client and the coach that's coaching the client has to have had better results than the client has had to this point. That's right. And so we have two core, well, actually there's several core values that we live by. The first and most important is that no success in the world can compensate for failure in the home. Now that's really important. You think about that at a deep level, there no success in the world can compensate for failure in the home. So it doesn't matter how many millions you make. If you're screwing up your family, it's not worth it. Next is eagles don't flock with turkeys, right? So I want to be around eagles. 
I don't want to be around turkeys. So you got to, you got to start, you know, edging those turkeys out of your life and get focused on being that. Now that doesn't mean to say that, you know, Hey, I can't go have a, a drink with my high school buddies once in a while, you know, that aren't going anywhere with their life. I mean, that's, that, that, that's fine. We're not saying abandon the people in your life that could use your help and support and your encouragement. That's not what we're saying. But what we're saying is where I spend my quality time and the majority of my time is with people that I want to be more like, uh, yeah. including my spouse, right? Don't marry somebody that makes you worse. Marry somebody that makes you want to be better. Right. And so then the, the next uh, core value is if you want to climb to the top of Mount Everest, you need a guide who's been to the top of Mount Everest before. Simple as that. So I think if you, if you really look at those core values, that's a starting point for success. Yeah, man. I couldn't agree with you more on that. And, and, and like I said, that's kind of the, the reason for this show is to point people in that direction to say, if you want to get somewhere, all you got to do is go find somebody who's been there and learn from them. And uh, so I know we're coming down uh, close to the end of this, uh, of this conversation. It's been a really great one. Uh, but I want to ask you this question before we move into the final segment, because it's the question I've asked every guest that's ever come on the show. And I know you know you have a lot of knowledge, but you also know a lot of people. So I'm curious to hear your answer to this one. Who you know or what you know, Michael, which of those two do you think is more important and why? Oh, it's not even close. It's who you know. What, what you know doesn't matter as long as you know who knows what you need to know. <laughs> I mean, that's there's no question. I, I can get every answer I need and want if I just know who to go to for it. Right? It's not Google. FYI. Um, but, uh, but yeah, no, it's hundred uh, percent who, you know, relationships rule. I mean, it's, yeah, what more can I say about that? I mean, it's, it's literally every major success that I have in my life, I contribute to, uh, or I can trace back to knowing the right people and, and having the help of the right people. It's interesting to me when, when people have great success and they fail to remember the people that got them there. And it's a lot more people than one might think, right? It's, it's not just, you know, your mom or your dad or your partners or the people that work for you. It's, it's, it's everybody in your life. It, you know, they say it takes a village to raise a child. It's true. I mean, it's, it's every interaction you have with all these people around you. It's when you go to the dry cleaner and the gal at the dry cleaner gives you a smile and says, have a great day. And that get, helps you to get closer to being in state for the day. Right. And so now all of a sudden I start my day off. I got a smile on my face. I'm feeling a little better. I can do better that day because of who I knew, not because of what I knew, but because I knew her and I chose to go to a dry cleaner where when I left that dry cleaner, I felt good about myself. Likewise, if I go to the soup Nazi every morning, guess what? I'm probably not walking away feeling good about my day. So I got to stop going to the soup Nazi and I got to go to that dry cleaner that treats me nice. Yeah, no, totally agree with you, man. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Let's move into the last segment. So I'm going to call the random rounds, quick, random questions, quick, random answers. You ready? Yeah. What profession other than your own do you think that it would just be fun to attempt? Uh, fun to attempt. Um, I don't know. That, that, that I'm likely to attempt? Probably not. But uh, astronaut would be fun. That'd be, I'd probably get motion sickness, but it'd still be fun. <laughs> if you could sit on a park bench with someone, past or present, and chat for an hour, who would it be? Any prophet. Uh, you, know, I'd say, you know, so from Jesus on down prophet, apostle, any of those guys. Always, always a great experience with, with people uh, in the clergy that are, that are really dialed in. Always learn something. How do you like to consume content? Books, audiobooks, blogs, podcasts, videos? Yes. Uh, all the above. Okay, great. Mostly, mostly, mostly in person. Um, so, but if I, but, but yeah, I don't do a lot of audiobooks because if I have the time, I'm going to read and I'm going to write it down. If I, if, if, if it's during the day, I'm not doing audiobooks. I'm talking to people. Give us a glimpse of your morning routine. Uh, 
So I wake up at about 2.30 to 3 o'clock every morning. I don't set my alarm. It just happens. Actually, I do set my alarm, but for much later, and I never get to the point where I, you know, where I, where I rely on it to wake up. I get up. Uh, I, I stay in bed. I grab my phone, and I hit social media for usually about two hours. You know, I've got a Facebook group that's got about uh, 38,000 real estate agents in it. That's pretty active. I'm uh, active in a bunch of other groups as well. And we do really, really well on social media. So that's how I start my day. And then, uh, you know, I'm usually my, like my first appointment tomorrow is at 6 a.m. Pacific. Uh, I do a lot of business with people on the East Coast. And um, so I start my day as early as I can possibly get them to start their day so that uh, I can get more done during the day. My day usually ends around five o'clock and at five o'clock, I'm peace out, man. Don't even bother calling me because I'm with my family and you're not going to get a hold of me. What is your go-to pump up song? Happy by Pharrell. Happy for sure. What is something, putting business aside, just general life here, what's something that you are just not very good at? working out, eating right. Uh, any, anything on my physical health. I'm not, I'm not very good at it. That's my weak spot right there. As we wrap everything up here today, Michael, what is one place online where our listeners can go to connect with you the most? I would say join our Facebook group or, or go to our, or, or go to clubwealth.com. The Facebook group is facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash clubwealth, or you can go to clubwealth.com. Perfect. So if you are interested in joining up with the group, head over to Facebook, search Club Wealth in the group section, or just facebook.com slash group slash Club Wealth. Um, and then anything else you can find over at clubwealth.com. I highly recommend everybody check out what, what Michael's got going on. If you're in the coaching space, if you're in the consultant space, the knowledge business, or of course, if you're in anything real estate, um, highly, highly recommend going to check out everything that Michael's put out there. Michael, appreciate you for coming on the show, man. This has been awesome. Had a fantastic time chatting with you. I appreciate you having me on. Thank you. It's nice chatting with you, Travis. That's it for this episode. If you want to connect with Travis and other like-minded people who also listen to the show, then you're going to want to head over to travischapelcom slash group to join his free Facebook group, Podcast to Profit. Travis will see you there. And remember to leave every relationship better than you found it. Spring is in full bloom. Are your finances? With the Chime Secured Credit Builder Visa Credit Card, you can build credit with everyday purchases and regular on-time payments, all with no annual fees or interest. With Chime's Secure Credit Card, you can start improving your credit scores right away. Get started today at Chime.com build. That's Chime.com build. Chime feels like progress. The Chime Credit Builder Visa Credit Card is issued by the Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. members FDIC. Out-of-network ATM withdrawal and OTC advance fees may apply. Terms and conditions apply. Go to Chime.com disclosures for details. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.